to Raunchy Power Hour, a book club for discussing romance from the erotic to the erroneous. As always, this is an explicit podcast and contains strong language, adult themes, and sexual content. If you are sensitive to these things, we urge you calmly but sincerely to turn off your radio now. This month, we are reading Window Shopping by Tessa Bailey. This is part one of Window Shopping and will contain spoilers through chapter eight. If you want to read along with us, stop listening now. It's okay. We'll wait for you to come back. This book doesn't have any trigger warnings that I've read or noted, so you should be good. Boring. Yeah. I'm your producer, Ashlyn. I'm one of your festive elves, Sydney. And I'm the corporate busybody that moved out of your small town and is coming back for the holiday so your mom can pursue me. Now get ready to get Christmassy. You get cut out, but Lauren, I don't think you even gave your name. I never do at this point. You don't? I didn't know. I'm stopped. Oh my god. People just have to be loyal fans to know who I am. If you, your name. you know. Oh my god. Hey, Sydney. <laughs> hey, Lauren. I'm back and I have a question to ask you. Oh, you're back. I didn't know you left. What's your question? <laughs> My question is, let's say that you sort of were into the whole like workplace like hireling type i i have an office romance type vibe right theoretically let's Mm -hmm. say you're into that okay i want to know very theoretical (laughs) exactly i want to know what position is like too much of the power imbalance of of the person you're pursuing or pursuing you for it to be weird so like for an example let's say you're like a like a floor salesman at a place Mm -hmm. what like would you be weirded out if the CEO approached you or is the line somewhere much smaller on the on the chain of command? You know what? This may sound kind of weird. If it's some like say I'm on the floor. It would be less weird if it were like upper 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 management like say CEO or something like that. Because they probably weren't in the active hiring process of me coming into a company. <laughs> they were an active part of me joining. So I would say it would get less weird if I do not personally work with them every single day. So I would say where I would get uncomfortable would be like immediate boss, their boss. HR and then kind of like above that I'm like I don't think it'd be as weird as long as they're not directly hiring me okay so like the manager to your manager's manager right yes that like through those levels that's too much for me okay okay respectful tasteful even some might say (laughs) some might say I don't know um for me, and I've given this a lot of thought as someone that poisoned her brain in 2014 with the game Mystic Messenger. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think there's a line I would cross. <laughs> like, like I think for me, for me, you, I just, I, I like being a creature that lives a very mysterious private life. And I think if I have mm-hmm. to see you every single day in my place of work where you have to see me at like the pits of my worst demonic self handling like nine to five tasks, I don't think oh, yeah. I want you to try and view me romantically except if you're like like the ceo who like Mm -hmm. has a lot of money and just really likes to to have something on the side you want to be a sugar baby to the ceo i do (laughs) you'd prefer that i love that i love that for you Let's try to sugarcoat it, but it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, you know what? And thinking about it, I don't think I could ever have my spouse working within the same company as me. I'd be like, leave. Like, I don't, I can't have you here. No, my parents did that for a time, and I truly don't know how they're still together. I would, I would choke my significant <laughs> other out. If I oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm like, uh, anyway, yeah, we can't have a working relationship and a romantic one and a marriage. So I'm good. True, true. Speaking of working relationships, so so for this holly jolly, <laughs> so for this holly jolly hot mess, um, I I will be doing the the background information on our author Tessa Bailey, uh, Sydney. I believe you'll be taking over our character intros and plot summary. Yes, I will. Uh, and I can also, uh, I'll give you, after we've done our little author review, just some, uh, like, what our average reviews are. Amazing. Amazing. I actually have a surprise for you ladies. Oh, I'm so scared. I don't often do the most, but when I do, <laughs> I do a lot. And what I've chosen to give you all today, if I can share screen. Oh, no, this is an audio format. So I wonder how a visual is going <laughs> to work. Oh, this, this is just for you, too. I present to you Tessa <laughs> Bailey, a case study by me, Lauren. Viewers, what I'm looking at right now is a very tasteful PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> Thank you. I stole this template from Microsoft PowerPoint. <laughs> this is seven slides with like a title page and, and uh, with a template and pictures. Yes. Did you cite your sources? Nope. <laughs> it's, it's not MLA format. <laughs> no, this is a this is a private viewing. Um, I don't need to be able to share this commercially, just verbally. Um, okay. Now we have the agenda. Think of this as our table of contents. We have introduction oh to Tessa Bailey. We, we will be touching a little bit on the writer strike controversy. I have also mm-hmm. selected a few of her publications, including her first series, which also was a little bit slightly entrenched in controversy in and of itself that we'll be going through. And then just a little bit of info on window shopping before I pass it off to Sid for reviews. Okay. <laughs> All right. Introducing Tessa in this really small picture that I included of her. So oh, a minute. I can't see it. Oh, oh. What, what do I do? 
I can see it now. You're good. Okay. Okay. This is like in school. I'm like sweating profusely under my arms because I want this to work. Okay. So Tessa is originally from California, which I think colors a lot of the writing style in this, um, mm-hmm. but lives in Long Island with her family. I believe she has a daughter and a husband. She originally majored in English during college. And per my count, which this could be absolutely wrong as someone that's totally shit at math. And also for an author that has published a shit ton of books since she started, she has since published 55 books as of this year. Holy, that's a lot. Well, I don't know how you yeah i don't know how i don't know how you do that like do you have time for anything else are you using the bathroom i don't know but she has been dubbed by entertainment weekly as the michelangelo of dirty talk and (laughs) self-proclaimed herself (laughs) to focus her romance genres on specifically like stubborn blue collar men in quote loyal lovable ladies We'll delve a little bit into. Now, we also wanted huh. to touch on a little bit of controversy that Miss Tessa Bailey has been entrenched in recently. As you all may be familiar, there was recently a big like actors and writers strike. Um, and it was, it, I believe it was revealed, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sid and Ashland, that she had signed a contract with Harper Collins, a, a massive publishing company, as many of you probably know. Um, and then that news was released in the midst of the strike that was going on. Obviously, this caused a lot of backlash of like, hey, thought we thought we said we weren't going to do this. I thought we're advocating um, for better writers rights. It's a tongue twister. Um, And then she came Mm -hmm. out in a massive like Instagram social media post basically saying like, oh, well, she had signed the deal prior to the strike, but they released the news of said deal after the strike happened. I I think it's sort of the issue was let go after a while from what I had seen online. But I don't know. I don't know. Any thoughts? You know, I would get why people, like, are upset about it. I don't think it's, like, a cancelable offense. I mean, I also just hate cancel culture in general. That's just me. But I definitely see why there was controversy, because, like, hey, girlfriend, um, we're all, like, trying to be unified in a united front, and you just got signed by one of the biggest publishers in the world so like not cool i would get why people are upset and like i think i was also upset at the time too because i was just like damn you're that's scummy yeah i think regardless of like what people felt about it i think there's also too like you touched on cancel culture a little bit difficult thing i think to cancel someone that has already like really excelled within the field of like publishing because at the end of the day she did sign with harper collins and so like lucratively she's going to be doing really well in the future and i yeah from what i've seen none of this impacted her sales she's she's still massively selling tons and tons of books and her popularity on book talk is still pretty pretty infamous uh, but speaking of book talk, from my own digging, I don't know if this is actually true, but from my own digging of reviews of Tessa Bailey's books, what seems to be the most popular among like kind of the Gen Z early millennial generation that's on TikTok is Hook, Line, and Sinker. <laughs> it happened one summer, Secretly Yours, and Lover or Loser. Unfortunately, we did not read any of those. Um, so the first... Oh, my. 
<laughs> her first adventuring into the publishing world happened in 2013 with her Line of Duty series, which, and I wanted to touch on this, in my deep dive of research on her, she has most of her information on her like self-made author website. It's like TessaBaileyBooks.com or something like that. However... Mm-hmm. On that website, it states that there are six books in the Line of Duty series. I featured four here for Sydney Nash's Viewing Pleasure. On Amazon, though, if you go to look at the Line of Duty series, it says there are five books in the Line of Duty series. So it seems to be a lot of discrepancies, and there are multiple series of hers that this occurs with. Um, but I just wanted to That's take fair. a moment to appreciate how she pumped out four books each within, I'd say, two to three months of each other as well. Like these were back to back to back. That's insane. I would also like to highlight some of my personal favorite series and the descriptions that she wrote about them on her website. I will read these out for the audience. Um, There's also Beach Kingdom, which is a three-part series that is described as summary, sexy lifeguard here with an average rating of a 4.1 across the entire series. There's also Made in Jersey, which is probably my favorite. It's a four-book four book oh series God. described as, quote, fat, yeah, factory workers in NJ, ink slash spice, with a 3.73 <laughs> book rating across the four. There's Hot, yes, there's Hot and Hammered, which is a three-book series described as rom-com, HGTV-inspired, with a 3.65 across the trilogy. And then the... <laughs> Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And now this series I really want to read on the podcast. I will literally cause violence if we don't. It's called Phenomenal Fate. And it's a three-book series where she writes vampires and faded mates. Which doesn't really blend in with the whole blue collar vibe unless they're blue collar vampires. Who's to say? Blue collar vampires. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Maybe Edward Cullen got a job at like, I don't know. Like no, it's site. just it's just uh Jasper, but he's like still has like those conservative roots because you know he's the Confederate Army. Instead of battle scars, it's injured on the job. <laughs> so now uh. we're gonna be introducing a little bit about window shopping, the book that we chose to read. Um, and I had to steal this quote from our lovable resident, Cindy, oh, um, where she said in our group chat today, quote, this book is a walking HR violation. And I felt that was better fitting than any of the other ones I saw online. And thank you. Now, Cindy, if you would do the honors of reading the actual uh, back of the book for window shopping, I, I would love to hear what the actual back is. And then we can get into this last slide here that I wrote. Well, about. Of course. So for, uh, listeners as well this is the this back is a back of the book is the whole reason we picked up this book in the first place because originally we did want to read this book last year but then we decided to start the podcast and we didn't have time to finish it so here we go two weeks before christmas and all through manhattan shop windows are decorated in red and teeth and green satin I'm standing alone in front of the famous Vivant department store with a charming man named Aiden asked my opinions of the decor. It's a tragedy in tinsel, I say, unable to lie. He asked for a better idea with a twinkle in his eye. Did I know he owned the place? No. He put me on the spot. Now I'm working for that man, trying trying to ignore that he's hot. (laughs) But as as a down-on-her-luck girl with a difficult past, I know an opportunity when I see one. And I have to make it last. I put my heart and soul into dressing his wind- his holiday windows. 
I'm working without stopping. And when we lose the battle with temptation, I'll try and remember I'm just window shopping. <laughs> I'm snapping like out of poetry slam. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Doesn't that sound so nice and lovely and holiday cheery? It rhymes. So, yeah, I'm like, it definitely feels very. Um, what's the holiday rhyme? You know exactly what I'm thinking about. I don't think I'll do the house. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> oh, not a creature Nothing was stirring, not stirring, even a mouse. Not even a mouse. What is that rhyme? You know, people will know it. <laughs> Silent Night. No, it's not that either. Never mind. I said that so confidently. I said that so confidently. Okay, so for starters, it's the night before Christmas. <laughs> and also that the back of the book is literally like a parody of the night before Christmas. It's the rhythm it yes. follows. Yes, yeah. I know. That's what I was trying to say. I'm just stupid. Leave me alone. <laughs> Silent night. <laughs> yes. No, no. It was it was a super cute synopsis on the bat, but I don't know about y'all, but after reading this book, I didn't feel like that quite fit the bill. And so you want to know what I wrote no. as an honest synopsis? <laughs> yes. So for listeners, this contains very minimal spoilers. It's an out-of-context summary by yours truly, and I will read as follows. A holiday-themed reverse grumpy sunshine boss-slash-employee forbidden romance standalone that should remain that way, where self-proclaimed tragic goth girl Stella gets handed a job as a window dresser on a silver platter, despite being independent and alternative girl. From the human <laughs> version of Goofy, but only if Goofy had been drowning himself in Coors Light in too much porn, <laughs> Aiden Cook. Apparently, she's got a tragic past that makes her misunderstood and claustrophobic. He's got an HR problem and a savior complex. They're perfect together and have a lot of vanilla sex. And there's a plot in there somewhere that tries to be a lot more than it actually deserves. But we'll get to that. Beautiful. Thank you for my presentation or my TED Talk, whatever. I don't want to see now. I'm snapping. No. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's review time. It is review time. Uh, so before we go fully into review, I'll just say on Goodreads, we have an a- average reading for window shopping at 3.75 um, out of five stars um, out of six, six, 65,389 reviews. And on Storygraph, this is our highest amount we've seen on Storygraph so far on our books. We have an average, like, out of reviews, not our highest rating. Um, On Storygraph, we have an average rating of a 3.61 out of 5 stars with 11,668 reviews. Damn! At this time of recording. Um, And... Before I introduce characters, I just want to talk about this beautiful review from Storygraph, um, which is by someone named uh, Sophia Oliveria. I'm so sorry if I'm pronouncing your name wrong. Um, But she has a very long and actually in-depth review. Um, But I'll just read part of this first paragraph because basically she says i was aware going into this book that there was a high chance of me not liking it that much due to it being so short i like my slow burn and my long ass books i'm not gonna lie so i knew that it was going to be a christmas rom-com it would be too developed and it wouldn't 
only focus on feel-good vibes. But I still think it could have done with a lot more depth, especially with Stella being freshly out of prison and overlooking so much of the trauma that has come with it made it quite unrealistic to me. Another thing for me was the lack of communication between Aiden and Stella. All of their doubts towards their relationship that led to the main conflict couldn't be resolved with a single conversation. It was literally just them assuming each other's feelings towards each other in certain situations. And I was like, I don't know. Just talk to each other. And <laughs> yeah. So much more eloquent than the review I found. <laughs> yeah. Um, she also said uh, it just didn't feel very Christmassy. Hmm. That's funny. That's actually what this review that I have says. Would y'all like to hear it? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so um, this is by C. Demogo. I think it's a username on Amazon who titles the review Rated R. And I'm just going to read it as follows. Usually I read books about the Vietnam War or on survival. <laughs> this being the christmas season i decided to expand my reading genre and get a holiday read window shopping has a holiday theme but readers be advised this is not a hallmark version of a christmas story (laughs) while i am not a prude i was completely surprised by the sexual content of this book the sexual encounters in this in this book are very graphic what's disappointing is that the story and the characters could have carried the book without the graphic details so readers be aware (laughs) that this is a rated r christmas story i'd like to give the book two and a half stars in its present form probably a four-star book if it had a few less chapters on sex Maybe all of the author's books are like this, so those who follow Tessa Bailey probably do so for this reason. Me? I'll go back to my books on Vietnam! <laughs> Maybe you should, because you obviously don't have a taste in fiction. You think the plot carried this book? You think the plot? <laughs> I saw that movie. Started with, I definitely read on Vietnam War and survival, and I was like, I have to read this. Yeah, you have to. You know what? I would say this is this is a very drastic change from the Vietnam War and survival. <laughs> I felt like this I was surviving job. reading this book. I did. Uh, same here. All right. So with that, let me introduce our main characters. Um, so first, we've got uh, Stella Schmidt, who is our recent ex-convict. Uh, she's she's the grumpy to the sunshine, and she likes windows. Um, specifically, she likes dressing them. That's kind of all we know about Stella. She's got, like, somewhat of a tra- quote-unquote tragic past, which is kind of revealed throughout the book. Um, and then we've got Mr. Aiden Cook who is the sunshine to the grumpy. Uh, he is a one of the owners of Vavant. The, it's, it's basically like a, a higher-end Macy's kind of store in New York City. Uh, and he's Southern, and that's about, that's about all you really need to know about Aiden. He's got some family issues, but that's about it. Um, and then kind of going into characters that are not really main characters, but they are... Uh, talked about a lot. We've got Uncle Hank and Aunt Edna who help raise Aiden and they just have and Aiden just has a lot of interesting stories about them because you know they're just they're your typical just funny crazy hillbillies like they're your typical crazy rednecks who just got get up to a lot of shenanigans. 
Uh, and then I just kind of grouped a lot of these people together. Um, we've got Jordan, Leland, and Seamus, who are all employees of Vivant. Um, kind of the only important thing is that with um, Jordan and Seamus, what? Is that not how you say his name? Seamus. Seamus? Mm-hmm. You can see my dyslexia coming out. <laughs> His name is Seamus. I'm going to keep calling him Seamus in my head. So in my head, not on an audible format. Leave me alone. Um, But yeah, they're all employees of Avant and Seamus and Jordan. They like each other. Uh, And they have have a... Did I say it again? Shay. Seamus. Yeah, I can say the name. I'm just dumb. I just keep going Seamus. (laughs) <laughs> I like the way I pronounce the name better. Leave me alone. And then we have Nicole, who's uh, Stella's convict friend who caused the felony. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, uh, yep, those are kind of all the important people you truly need to know about. Um, I do have a tab index, but we don't have to go over that. It's just a lot of like, um. Why would you even think, say, or do that thing? Um, slash millennialisms, as we I've been calling it. Um, we've got corny Christmas pun slash mentions. Um, too much in in the head talking, as I like to call it, because there's a lot of internal conversations which could have been taken out. Um, we also have a tab that just says Aiden gets creepy. And then we have another tab just directly for Aiden, which says, what the fuck did Aiden just say? (laughs) I'm talking about all of his weird stories. And then uh, we have my favorite tab, which is I make the face. And that face is uh, when I cringe and I just have to like look away from the book and like put the book down because I'm cringing so hard. That happened many times in audio format (laughs) for me as well. It was yeah. Yeah, it was either um, I made the face or I laughed out loud, like too, like just cackling because this was dumb. Anyway, chapter one, Stella. So our book opens up with our girl Stella standing at the Vivant window, and again we had like mentions of. Some sort of Christmas rhyme because she's just like, oh yeah, I don't understand. Like, I wouldn't say like elves were like nipping at my heels to bring me here, like Christmas magic or anything. Um, because you know, she just never goes down Fifth Avenue. Um, because she's not the type of girl. Anyway, she's standing at the window looking at the display and is like, This is awful. And the scene in front is like penguins making the gifts on a conveyor belt, which apparently is awful. When suddenly a man bumps into her and she wants to scream out needle dick for no reason. Don't know why that would be something you would think immediately when someone runs into you. But okay, that feels like a millennialism to me. Uh, Yeah, that 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 is the um, (laughs) the tab that is next to that line. So you guessed correctly. Um, And anyway, suddenly. Not the same man who ran into her, a different man who is very handsome is standing next to her. Uh, 
And she kind of like tries to ignore him, which is when Aiden gets creepy for the first time because he's just standing there. And he goes into uh, basically um, he is asking her her opinion on the window. Um, and she kind of like ignores him and like he goes into a weird Aunt Edna and Uncle Hank story. She puts in her earbuds to ignore him to tell him to go away and he just stands there <laughs> and she eventually pulls one out and is like, what do you want? And he's just like, oh, I was just waiting for your song to be done so I can keep talking to you. And I'm like, I would pepper spray him immediately. Like, that's so creepy. Don't do that. Um, so we ask her opinion on the window. She like gives this very very detailed description and also everyone people stop and stare and listen to her description of the window and it just reminded me of like the thing on the internet when someone says and then everybody clapped (laughs) this moment was like the definition of an ick for me like i it was the first time i had to pause the audio I did write, why would people stop? It's fucking New York City. (laughs) Next thing they say is that they're cheering and clapping. Because I'm just like, there's so many other interesting things than listening to a girl rant about a window. Like how she would dress a window. I literally wrote in my notes about this moment. Quote, she goes on an obnoxious, quote, I'm the clever, snarky main character, Clara Oswald and Doctor Who type monologue where she rattles off a whole bunch of anti-consumerist bullshit about assembly lines. Exactly. But then this whole thing is about being a consumer and, you know, having making this place money because, you know, it's a high-end department store. So what do you expect otherwise? But it's her dream to contribute to the consumerist market. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> anyway, so this is when we find out, apparently, Stella really, like, her dream job is to be a window decorator. And I was like... Didn't know that could be a job that you would want. I mean, I know window decorating is like a real thing, and there is artistry behind it. Didn't know you could dream of it. Anyway, um, so Aiden is like amazed by her description. Is like, wow, that would be the book. Um, and she like tries to run off, and she kind of finds out he's connected to Vivant. He doesn't reveal fully how connected he is, um, but he tells her to apply for the window dressing job. And she, like, runs off, and, and she's just like, no, I can't do that. Also, why is he so hot? <laughs> like, literally, at one point, she's like, um, she's like, why is, like, my heart beating this fast? And, da, 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 da. and I'm like, you find him attractive. Like, that's not crazy. Like, you're not all dark and mysterious because you're just like, oh, suddenly I've never felt like a human connection before. So many romance books write that kind of stuff of like, yeah. why, why am I getting nervous, blah, 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 to like drag out tension. But when you have a book this short, that just doesn't work. It sounds stupid. I think it, it doesn't work most times, but it especially never works. it doesn't yeah, work. Like I would get it if like we were in an actual slow burn book and this has been like a character established relationship where they've kind of like known each other or like we've been with this character and there's been multiple attractive characters and now suddenly they're having a a reaction to like someone new or it's like and they're in a different situation that that would work 
That's good. That's true. What? When we have no idea why this woman is just like, she's just being emo to be emo because she's just like, I'm just so dark and mysterious. I'm not okay. Whatever Gerard Way says. Yeah. She's also wearing like all, and this is not to hate on emo culture or alternative wear. I will not hate on that. I think it's just when you combine it with just cringy, like 2010s writing um but yeah she's wearing like i think a skull sweater and like all black and all of that she's very edgy i I think the way i think it's the fact that you can tell so heavily in the writing itself that the author is not like of this like subculture of like fashion and and you know Mm -hmm. i don't know what other word i'm looking for but you know has ever been immersed in this culture (laughs) Yeah. yeah It's like somebody looking from the outside looking in and writing about what they think an alternative dressing person would dress like, in. And I about. think that's why it comes off so cringe. Yes. Yeah, or like think about. And it's just like, no. I did write yeah. down, you find him attractive, it's not a fucking disease. <laughs> oh my, oh my god, why, why am I sweating? Am I dying? <laughs> yeah, basically. Anyway, she goes home and she's just like, well like i shouldn't apply because i'm an ex-convict and i like don't have experience in this and then she's like fuck it i'm gonna apply so she does that's the end of the first chapter lauren do you have any thoughts at the end of the first chapter you know i think the problem was that i didn't have any thoughts because I listened to the first chapter and the only thing I could keep thinking was about the movie Elf starring like Will Ferrell. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, wow, this is like if Elf was for people that aren't funny. <laughs> I'm sorry, Miss Bailey. I just wasn't it wasn't hitting with me. It was a little bit too no. much. I'm your manic pixie dream girl. I'm about to fuck up this corporate straight laced guy's life and make him realize a bunch of things about himself because only an attractive woman can make him realize these in-depth emotions about himself. And that's inherently problematic, but we're gonna worship it anyway. Yeah, no, I could I couldn't get past it. Oh my god, anyway. it just it, you just made me <laughs> click that she that uh that our girl still is a manic pixie dream girl. Uh, it didn't click I, for me, but now it did. It clicked for I me like now. somewhere halfway through the book. And if we end up getting there and I remember, I'll tell you what that moment was. But I, I literally okay. had to write it down. I was like, oh, my God, this is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yeah. Um, I also I forgot to say this. We do POV switch. Again. <laughs> um. So far, we have not had the greatest run with POV switches because I did write when I saw the name Stella at the top of chapter one. I just went POV switches dot 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 again dot dot dot. Yay. I think it's because it's baked into my the fiber of my being that I want to will they, won't they. And that just doesn't work 90% of the time when you have an alternating POV. Because you're inside both people's heads. Because so you, you know, know what, what the other person wants. Yes. 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 I hate it. I hate it it. Work, this book would have worked so much better if, it, if we just stayed in Stella's head. But at the same time, I would want to strangle Stella. <laughs> I do. I do prefer... Aiden's POV simply because it's so oh, yeah. fucking goofy. But 
I agree. I think logistically it would work better from Stella. She was just a more like appealing character to read. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, we, get, we move into chapter two. And guess what? Today is going to be a good day. Why? Because a- Aiden apparently likes to manifest. <laughs> Um, but he is, ag- <laughs> he is aggressively sunshine, like aggressively the sunshine too. this grumpy sunshine. Um, he's like, gotta love Christmas. Christmas is like my whole personality. And also I'm country, even though like, I just like to throw in random, uh, <laughs> Southern quips talking about the Mason Dixon and all of that. And also like. Uh, I'm very blue collar, even though I'm a multi-millionaire. <laughs> it's just like the goofy fucking Southern euphemisms. <laughs> what me? Like I saw red. I saw red. Uh, and I think I didn't. I think this this is particularly aggravating. I think for the three of us too, because we yes. do we do we all met in a very Southern state, and we know people who have like grown up like both of you grew up down here in the south i did not but i don't think southern people think this way <laughs> no and even if there are people that do this some of these sayings are so like out of left field and nonsensical that this was before i did the author background research yeah. i had a feeling that the author was like from the west coast just because of the yeah. way that it felt like an snl character of like backwater south and i was like yeah we for a ride on the mason dixon line <laughs> yeah exactly oh, um, also i love that he's just like oh yeah but i moved to tennessee and i'm just like that's the most southern state you could you could have chosen for all of this it was it was giving louisiana at the least in oh, yeah. Tennessee, and i was like all right i would either <laughs> say uh, yeah i would say louisiana or like i hate to say this but jordan like non-urban georgia <laughs> that's valid I will, yeah. I will agree with that yeah uh but that's what it was giving and it wasn't um so yeah basically um our guy he uh we find out that aiden is actually an owner of Vivant. He is a part of the uh, the family who owns the fucking store. Um, and he is the general manager. But he, he gets up to his office and he can't stop thinking about that beautiful, dark and mysterious stranger he met on the street who had all these amazing window ideas. And he speaks to his assistant, um, Leland, and about it. And Leland goes, oh, by the way, Already went through it, combed through, made sure we only got the people who are actually qualified to do, to do the job. And he's just like, I don't think that dark and mysterious girl was like on that on that uh, list. And Leland's like, oh, yeah. And then, like, what's crazy is we actually had one girl who applied who's next convict. And he's like, what's her name? <laughs> Leland's like, Stella. And he was like, she sounds like a Stella. <laughs> Anyway, so he... (laughs) You go, you go. (laughs) Sorry, I was just gonna say, this scene pissed me off so much because he had just spent five minutes total talking to this chick on the street and he makes a comment about how even though he didn't know her name, he would be able to pick out her application purely by Uh, how it sounds. And I was like, you... 
are delusional. Delulu. Delulu. This man is Delulu. Anyway, so he's just like, that's her. So he looks up into her application, finds out, yeah, she is, and uh, she has just recently been released from prison. She has no references, no education, which I didn't know you could get <laughs> education for, for window dressing. I'm sorry. I'm shitting on this career. Make your money the way you need to make money. Um, and I think she was like just talking about being like in marketing and consumerism. I'm like, I feel like you need a liberal arts degree to do. I feel like that's not your, I feel like, like, yes, the marketing and that is kind of your job, but like. More of, like, being able to actually, like, build the shit or, like, paint is, like, more what you need. But that's just me. That's just coming from someone who actually has a liberal arts degree. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like almost like a theater slash, like, set design type thing would be more conducive to this, but I don't know. Yeah, and I I do feel kind of bad that I'm shitting on this, but it's it's just such a wild out thing for someone to say, I want to be a window dresser. It's very odd. Anyway, so Aiden reads all, up on all this and he's like feeling guilty. He's like, I can't, I can't bring her into interview. There's all these other people who have like so much more experience. And like, I just want to like open the job so I can see her again. So what does this man do? This man decides to allow to interview all of the applicants, including everyone who is overqualified and extremely underqualified. Just so he could possibly, just possibly, see this woman again. I popped it, off in my notes at this point. Same here. All right, same I just here. want to read it. I, I said, quote, he calls everyone up in the utter rejects pile out of quote unquote fairness. This is wasting company resources and still not doing this fairly because he's holding out for Stella in his mind. This is an inherent bias that he brushes off as quote, I don't feel a twist in my gut rejecting all the other applicants when in all actuality, he's actually hoping to see Stella regardless of her qualifications. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and now this is why... And, Arguably, I want, I know this is a terrible example of bo- of a boss employee romance book because it just starts off on the wrong foot. Like it has started off horribly. So I apologize for everyone who actually loves this genre because I'm about to shit on it. Um, because I basically said the same thing. I wrote, um, it's super weird that he opens up the application to everyone just to keep um, try to sleep with a girl, like or like find her attract. He finds her attractive. Like no matter what he sees in her, you are wasting everyone's time. Plus, it's extra gross. Um, because yes, she can draw and she has like these great ideas. Um, but that's all she has is like yeah, she can draw and she has great ideas. She has no references. She has no ed- experiences or education. And like. That is not how the job process works, and it's gross that an employer is trying to employ someone just because he finds them attractive. Like, yes, I know he's meant to be the quote-unquote, like, good guy, and, like, no, he's, like, gonna follow the rules and do this properly, but there's an inherent bias when, as a boss and an employee, like, if he really wanted to do this fairly, he could have at least done like a hiring panel with like him and like 
one or two other people. But you right? know he's not so do that because he wants he wants to so. fuck her. He wants to have sex with her. He wants the mini bangs. He wants he them does. in his mouth like a horsey's hay. Oh my god, Sorry. I hate that. We don't need to bring up horses again. We've already brought up a horse horses in I'm a gonna book bring it up every episode. <laughs> god. Um, so yeah, hey listeners, if you want, uh start a drinking game with how many HR violations are in this book, you will be drunk by the end. That's beautiful. Y'all should do that. I'll say, drink yeah, responsibly. Drink responsibly, but also help us count how many HR violations you find. Um, anyway, so yeah. Uh, it's like a day or two later where he's conducting the interviews and he's um Stella is the last one because of course she is. Um but he's just interviewed um someone who's like very overqualified. Anyway, he's like sitting in the interview room and then he hears like the door close from like down the hall. And he's like, It's her. So he like runs to the stairwell and he's like, Hey. And she's like down a couple sets of stairs, like wanting to run, because she's just like, You don't want me. Like you like, why would you want me? Like, you've obviously seen my resume. I am so underqualified for this. And he's just like I just want to talk. I just want to like look at your designs and stuff. So then she shows him her his stuff, her stuff, and yeah, it looks good. And he's just like, "Well, since you don't have any references, I think we'll just do a trial run, and see how things go." So then that's how Stella becomes a temporary employee of Vivant, um, because she's tasked with redoing the window. Because this is an important note, apparently. <laughs> The window looked like Penguin Chernobyl is how they describe it uh, because the penguins were like working on a conveyor belt and she was like, yeah, people don't want to remember that, you know, their gifts are mass produced or anything. And I'm just sitting here being like, baby, that's all Christmas is. That's all late stage capitalism is. (laughs) Can someone, for the love of all things holy and unholy, explain what Penguin Chernobyl means? We could figure we it out. have no clue. No clue. I'm just we, imagining we like, like mutated yeah. penguins, like two heads or like multiple flippers, and they're just like yeah. zombie penguins. Yeah, I'm just like, we know what these things mean separately as their own entities, but putting them together in the context of window dressing yeah, feels like a quirky millennialism of like, haha, look at her funny metaphors. She's edgy. Like, what metaphor? You're combining a cute Arctic, well, not Arctic, they also live in Australia, but like a little flightless bird who likes to live primarily in ocean water and then a horrific nuclear accident how did those two come together penguin chernobyl i'm gonna get chernobyl my body <laughs> yeah that that has been our uh group chat uh for this month by the way listeners as you know we like to change our group chat and it's been um raunchy power hour penguin chernobyl <laughs> God. Uh, and now Chapter three. We're back in Stella's POV. Um, and it instantly opens with her being referencing Pentatonic's <laughs> Christmas music. And no hate to Pentatonics. I think they are a very talented group of individuals, but they're oh also my very God. heterosexual coded. <laughs> Sorry. Did you 
it's so crazy because two of the main singers are very much homosexual. I know. I know. I had oh this debate with a friend God. recently, actually. So now this comes up, but we. We literally we were texting each other. We were like, another one of our friends is really into pentatonics. And I was like, I don't think I have the heart to tell them that that's a very straight thing to like. Of context, yeah. this friend is not straight. And we, we had to send out a poll to our friends of like, is liking pentatonics inherently heterosexual? And it was. Yes. <laughs> and liking, uh, liking acapella in general is so straight. <laughs> it's such a straight form yeah. of music. Um, and again, no hate to pentatonics himself. <laughs> I all the love to my boyfriend, who is a straight man who did acapella. He's so straight. <laughs> He's so straight. Um, but yeah, uh, I, it, but the hold pentatonics had on 2010's Christmas music still has a hold, has an iron grip. When I hear winter hymnal with the clapping and the snap and then the the snapping they do i'm like damn it's christmas time (laughs) (laughs) it it do slap i will give it that but it was just like so screaming like millennial just like in your face um but yeah so it's it's her first it's stella's first day on the job so she does you know HR things, first day things, signs of paperwork, begins working, taping up the window to begin working. And basically, um, she like goes out to go grab supplies and she runs in to uh, Jordan, which is where we meet Jordan for the first time. And basically, like she describes her outfit and she's just like, oh, yeah, um, Everyone here is like wearing like these nice clothes, and I'm wearing a skull sweatshirt, black tights, and a black skirt. And I went, girl, you are working at a high end store, not fucking hot topic. <laughs> Foamy get the mouth. I can we also talk about how she wore combat she boots wore, to her job she interview? And a bodycon sweater knit dress. I'm sorry. What is this? <laughs> oh my god! I had an alternative phase recently. Okay, I wore I wore monochromatic black clothes. I wore you know I was here for this, so I can. Jeans. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a whole thing. Never in my life. Would I ever think to put on a sweater bodycon dress, ripped tights, and combat boots ever, but certainly not to a job interview? <laughs> job not. interview? Oh my god. Like, <sighs> yeah. I was offended. <laughs> that was like, a personal too. attack. I do too. Yeah. Anyway, so she goes and meets Jordan, and they have a little bit of winty, uh, winty, witty, um, like that best friend in a romance movie banter, and they're like working things out on how to get more sales into the store. When we get uh, Seamus, I said the name right this time. He's a custodian, and he walks up, and he's like. He's horny on Maine for Jordan, and Jordan low-key loves it. And I'm like, you should, Queen. You should have a man who 
openly just wants you all the time. Uh, and she's just like, no, I can't be with him because, you know, he's too, he's so much younger than me. He's only a couple years younger. Anyway, we'll get into that later. Uh, yeah, so we get introduced to those two lovable characters who just kind of show up throughout. Um, and then we kind of get a jump, a uh, time jump where Stella has been working all day and it's really, really late now. And she's like, oh, time to go home. Time to lock up. But oh no, she's locked herself in the window. Oh no. And so like, this doesn't seem like that big of a deal until Stella suddenly realizes she has claustrophobia. <laughs> Most likely from uh, being locked up and being incarcerated. So I don't want to make too much fun of this because I don't know how real that would be. And obviously making fun of a phobia isn't cool. So we we won't get into it too much. But basically, um, the funny part is is that she tries to call it out to Seamus. And Seamus is like listening to his music so he can't hear. So instead, she somehow gets a hold of Aiden's phone number. um, Because she hasn't seen him all day. And she calls him and is like, hi, I've locked myself in and I'm like freaking out. And he literally runs from the top floor of this very expensive department store all the way down to the ground floor to come let her out. And he's like on the phone trying to like calm her down, like be with her while she's anxious. And he literally opens the door and it's like, I'm here, sweetheart. And I literally wrote down, if my boss ever called me sweetheart, I would throw up in my mouth. (laughs) Because then he, like, for no reason whatsoever, like, there's no reason for him to have done this. He picks her up and then carries her across the ground floor into the elevator and then back up to his office. This is the part of the book where I wrote, this man is a walking HR violation. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, hey, like, there's number two, guys. There's number two for you. Drink. Drink. Um. So, yeah, he, like, carries her upstairs, and they're obviously attracted to each other. They want a bone real bad, and they both realize, uh, no, they don't realize yet that they're mutually attracted to each other yet, but it's pretty damn obvious. Um, anyway, so while Aiden is, like, getting closer and, like, kind of wants to, like, make out with her in his office, she randomly just drops, like, to push him away and be like, hey, like, we can't do this. She goes, by the way, I committed armed robbery, that's why. Can we pause? Can we pause? (laughs) Okay. I want to read a note that I wrote in chapter one. This is when she first like mentions that she was previously incarcerated. And I wrote, hold on, let's see if I can find it. Um, there we go. I said, recently spent four years incarcerated for a crime she does not regret committing, but does not name. And in parentheses, I put, I'm banking on it being something related to stealing or disrupting a bad advertising arrangement or something hallmark and stupid. Because I could have sworn this was going to be some like, oh my God, like the whole book, it was going to go like chapters and chapters without them revealing what she actually did to get sentenced. And it ends yeah, up being like, hey, I came across this really heinous window display and i just had to like barge in and fix it and then they like arrested her for like trespassing or something stupid yeah then she comes out the gate being like 
armed robbery. And I was like, oh, this is. And then on top of it, another charge on top of it is attempted manslaughter. Yes. And she was out in four years. And I was like, it's because of good behavior. Because I'll just reveal this now so you guys don't have to go through the pain of what we had to go through. Yeah. Basically, she was a part of an armed robbery. It went wrong. No one was meant to get hurt. The person that she was with, who is surprised Nicole, the ex-friend who also got convicted, um, she shot a man, and the man was hurt. He did not die, but basically Stella is the one who called 911 and then also stayed with the man to help his injury. So that's how she got a shorter sentence. But at the same time, I feel like that'd be a little more than four years, but I don't know the law. I don't know things. I just like the here. whole like the whole thing of her getting a shorter sentence, and we'll probably talk about this in our second episode. But it didn't feel that short compared to her, you know, partner in crime. Who, you yes. know, I'm just we'll get there. When yeah. we get there. we'll get there when yeah. we get there. We'll get there when we get there. Uh, yes, Ashlyn. So I know that judges get to like choose their sentence based on how they feel the person responded but for the state of connecticut which is where i'm pretty sure she commits her her crime at least that's where she was in prison a five-year minimum mandatory sentence applies if the person was armed for a first degree burglary yep yeah okay she's a person so she's fine um Like, there's probably people in that same cell that are in there for weed possession that are in there longer than this chick was. <laughs> I'm like, this is yeah. so stupid. It's, uh, <sighs> yeah, yeah. I digress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, since we're talking about the Connecticut justice system, I have a quick thing. This is, Okay, so this happens in part two, but I'm going to reveal it now. When Nicole calls her... <laughs> And she, like, freaks out because she's just like, oh, what if she comes here? I'm like, she's going against her parole! The <laughs> book is, like, you I think tries to put... State, you're in parole! You can't I know. That. That's literally against the law! And then she just stays there, and I'm like, that's not how this works! This whole book was like, I would give my main character an edge to make her stand out from all the other heroines that I've written about. Hmm. What about jail time? And then proceeds to just like watch a few episodes of Orange is the New Black and then Mm -hmm. inserts that as like, this is how she will behave. This is how the criminal justice system operates. Do you want to know how I understand parole? It's because I watch Shameless. And one of the characters has parole, and she's not allowed to leave the state that she committed the crime in for the next five years. Yeah. So, like... (laughs) But yeah, I was like, I don't... I don't don't understand how she... Anyway, (laughs) we'll get there when we get there, because I have a lot of thoughts about that part (laughs) of the book, because I was like, what the fuck? Like, it's just... Yeah, we'll get there. (laughs) <laughs> um anyway chapter four <laughs> um aiden it's the next day and aiden's not happy he's already got a headache because womp womp he's got family problems oh no his family doesn't like him 
Boo-hoo. Oh, give him some baggage. <laughs> yeah, give him some baggage. He has a shitty, like, rich family who, like, don't like him for some reason. Don't understand. But they're just a bunch of assholes. They want sashimi at 9 a.m. in the morning just to be assholes instead of muffins. And you know what? I get it. I would get why Aiden doesn't like his family. Um, He also goes and tells an employee to go get a swig of bourbon from his desk drawer and I was like HR where are you (laughs) (laughs) and he does that shit so many times throughout the book yes Ashlyn so one of the places that I've interned with um they're back like they have front of office which is like sales and back of office which is like the rest of the company every single person in back of office had a bottle of alcohol somewhere in their like vicinity that was opened and was being consumed during work time and it was like a thing they just hide it before like upper management walked through with customers oh my god no It was the fact that he just like told an employee to go take a drink. Like, I was just like, come on. Come on, man. Two. Also, so this is uh, just before I say anything, this was from Aiden's bottle, correct? Like, he tells his employee, like, here's a bottle. Isn't this less than a year after COVID? Or not a lesson, but like a year and a half after COVID? And they're all swapping spits. And they're all like, (laughs) I'm just saying. Quick question. I never mentioned masks. Yeah, yeah. That's a little weird. That's all I have to say. Yeah. That's all I have to say. Anyway, also, Grandma hates online stuff because she's just like, that's weird. And he's like, hey, Grandma, we're a year after COVID. That's the only way we made sales last year. Get with the times, Graham Graham. <laughs> Edna. That's her. No, no, that's the aunt. Never mind. Yeah, I don't know if the grandma's ever given a name. If she was, it's irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. Anyway, yeah, gammy. so gammy. Gam gam. How about gam gam? I like that one better. Gam gam. Let's do it. You know she would rather be called GG though. GG. It's <laughs> 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 so true. <laughs> um, but yeah, I didn't really write much down for this chapter because basically nothing happens. Um, but yeah, Aiden's I, family sucks. What? Aiden hates them wait, because wait. they're stuck up. I also only wrote one thing for this chapter. You want to know what it was? What did you one write? Thing. The country accent on the audiobook reader has me rolling in quotations. <laughs> My cock ain't never been so hard. Shoot <laughs> The only thing I have. <laughs> oh, we should note that I read the physical copy and then Lauren and Ashlyn did listen to the book. So. <laughs> we we had yeah. two different experiences. Um, Props to the audio yeah. reader for Aiden, who literally made me never want to hear a southern accent and dirty talk ever again. That was uncomfortable. Yeah, um, he was working with the material he had. Yeah, no offense to that actor. He did great. I just, it killed the idea of Aiden for me a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, also, on mm. top of it, before he goes into this meeting, he like is contemplating Stella again because he's just like, like, I shouldn't pursue her and all that. Like, I got so hard because she was in my office. And then he's just like, oh, but is she off limits? And I'm like, yes, she's off limits. You hired her. <laughs> she's your underling. <laughs> you literally were a part of the hiring process to bring her on board. Yes, she's off limits. 
Number three. <laughs> that's that's a four, five. I've lost track. <laughs> I know. Um. Yeah. So he goes into the the meeting and they get snippy. That's kind of it. That's all that happens. Chapter five. <laughs> um. Da 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 da. On this chapter summary, at the beginning, I just wrote, good lord, that chapter was too long. <laughs> I, you know, now that you say that, I actually do have a lot more bullet points for this chapter than previous ones. So that's probably accurate. Yeah. Well, there was just, this was the point in which I added into my tab index, um, like, there's too much, like, internal monologue. Like, there's just too much. Yeah. Because it just drags on and there just does not need to be this much internal monologuing dialogue whatever you want to call it anyway stella stays late again (laughs) um it's the same day that uh aiden had his conference with um his family and she's like strolling around the store thinking of him when suddenly she hears a noise in the cookware section surprise it's aiden drinking in the cookware section um, he's opened that bottle of bourbon and he's getting drunk because, you know, family sucks. Wah, wah. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> and there's just some banter and they're kind of both revealing parts of their past. This is where we find out that Aiden was sent to Tennessee to go live with his uncle Hank and aunt Edna um, for some reason. Don't know why. Apparently his dad had was settling back into life and he just sent his son away. Um, so Aiden always kind of uses like positivity kind of like as a shield, like from his family and um, just tries to be better than them. So that's why he's drinking because he just feels like he's no better than them when he gets like frustrated and all of that. And then here is where Stella kind of opens up a little bit about what happened with the robbery. She doesn't reveal the full thing. She doesn't reveal that uh, she stayed with the guy after he got shot or anything. She just reveals, like, that she and her friend... Was this where Nicole was revealed? Yes, it was. She talks... She doesn't, like, say her name outright to Aiden, but she's thinking about Nicole and they kind. she kind of, like, talking, like, about this very toxic very very toxic relationship that she and this friend had anyway a lot of banter and um just revealing parts of their past um kind of happens and then uh they decide to do a faux gift exchange where they run around the store picking up the quote-unquote best christmas gifts for each other i hate to say it i kind of thought this part was like a tiny bit cute just a little bit like but that also reminds me of like the boo basket trend recently, and I did that with my partner. So maybe that's where that itty bitty bit. I'm like, nah, this is kind of cute. But at the same time, they barely know each other, so it's also weird. I think it's the fact um, that it's just like in his store, and he definitely knows the inventory, and so it's like, even if she does get him something, it's like it's not like a complete surprise. He's like, oh yeah, we had that in stock on aisle four. You know? Yeah. Um. Also, um, what I find, what I wrote down too is like, why does she keep laughing at his jokes? They suck. This man's not funny. 
You want to spend. Okay, you go. You go. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, you want to know what's interesting about that? Because I actually have a note, and this is at the beginning of the conversation in the cookware department, where mm-hmm. he tells some joke, it's irrelevant, and she makes yeah. a comment about how she refuses to like award him with a laugh because, quote, that's what a girl with a blowout and heels would do. Yes. And I was like, hi, yes. it's me. Hi, I'm I'm the blowout and heels that would laugh at this man's jokes. And then five seconds later, she's like, hee hee ha Girl. Get a exactly. grip. It's okay to to like have basic human emotions. <laughs> exactly. And it's like you're not different from trying to like hide your quote unquote emotions from this dude. Um mm-hmm. and then I just also wrote down, you aren't like other girls. <laughs> like it Perfect. just kept it just kept giving yeah. the manic pixie dream girl thing of like, yeah, yes. I'm just different. Um I also wrote down, like, throughout this whole thing of, like, her revealing her past and stuff, I said, again, I get that we are attracted to each other. I get that there's this mutual, physical attraction to each other. He is still your boss. You should not be revealing all of this very personal information to your boss. Yes. Like, do not do that. Guys, if you... (laughs) You know, this is not an advice show. (laughs) <laughs> but but maybe listen to this share a ton of things about your personal life with your boss don't do that don't it's really it's a really bad idea keep your personal life personal and your work life your work life especially yes. if you live in a right to work state very true Yes, I can speak as someone that very recently overshared at a coworker function. Granted, my boss was not present. It was all coworkers. Um, I very much overshared in a setting where we were consuming drinks. And while everyone responded positively to it, I felt guilty for the first time in my life is oversharing. And if you've listened to any episode of this podcast for this one, you'd be like, Lauren, ashamed of oversharing. Never before until that moment. And I can very much vouch for that of like, maybe don't. Maybe maybe say as little as you feel comfortable with and then reserve the rest for your personal life. It's a lot easier that way. Exactly. And also, like, you got to protect yourself. And again, I understand, like, dispending the disbelief. They're attracted to each other. They, like, really want a bone. I get it. But what if he... But but what if things went south? You've shared all this information. He can use it against you, especially because it it's regarding you. your criminal record. Are you? Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, do not share that. Im- do not share your personal information with your boss. <laughs> yes. Anyway, moving forward, they decide to go do the <laughs> gift thing, and Stella like goes, "Okay, go," and then Aiden runs off, but then she gets distracted by his ass because she's like, "Damn those buns!" Literally, that is what is said in the book. She says, "Look at those buns." He's got a bubble butt. Yes, they literally call it a bubble butt, and I was like, "You just turned me off in like a single sentence." I don't know. It's not for me. Who who uses the term bubble butt in 2020 anymore? Because that's like an insult. There's a way to be like, <laughs> yeah. oh, they are they they have a nice ass without that man has got a fat ass. <laughs> yes, God. Anyway, so yeah, they run off, and she's like, oh, I don't know what to get him, and then she's like. 
I got it. And so she runs off. They meet in the break room. He's made hot cocoa because apparently he's already thought of a gift for her for Ooh. Christmas, which isn't fucking weird. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> um, but it's he gives her, her like day. <laughs> yeah, it's her second day. <laughs> Surprise! My, my bad. <laughs> it's like second or third day. Um. <laughs> anywhere. Um. They reveal the gifts. Sell gets like he gifts her like by the way this isn't meant to be real like they aren't meant to keep the gifts but he quote unquote gifts her a keychain necklace so that she could keep the key to the to the window so that she doesn't lock herself in again when i search window shopping by tessa bailey on tiktok there's a lot of the whole mm-hmm. scenarios type tiktoks like the one that we posted with napoleon bonaparte that i'm still shitting myself <laughs> over that's hilarious um people have made several of these for window shopping and one of them was like when she gets stuck in a window and calls out to her boss for help he gives her a necklace with a key on it it's like a song in the background where it's like you know like sexy songs i was like sir get a grip (laughs) you know what um i also have never heard of a keychain necklace like i was like you mean a lanyard (laughs) I was like, did you get her a fancy lanyard? I I was picturing like Libby Lou, like justice type best friend forever necklaces where like one person has the lock and then you have the key and they fit together when you're. Oh, my God. It was so tacky. See, I was just imagining just like a long gold chain because like this is also meant to be gold. So I was like, I don't I don't know what this looks like. I can't. And she gets in binoculars. Why? I thought that was so fucking stupid. I don't know why. I can't tell you why. Is it because he's like everybody is always looking up? Is what she said. It didn't make any sense. <laughs> but he loved it because you know it's Stella. Anyway, they kind of get. We get more banter. We get more flirting, and then we get introduced to the love contract. Which apparently you can sign um, through Vivant. Yes. So then, like, basically, you can say, like, I am consenting in this relationship. Da 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 da. Fill this out. It's a whole legal document uh, for HR purposes. So I just went love contract. God, that's gross. I went dot dot dot. Is that a real legal thing? It is. Yeah. It is. I did not know that. So yes, listeners, this is a real thing. Um, they're not actually called a love contract. That's just kind of the the term. It's more of just like a declaration of like a relationship between two consenting working parties. Basically, just lists what is appropriate within the workplace and what is not appropriate. Um, the majority of the actions in the rest of this book are inappropriate. Because um, I did. Because <laughs> surprise, I actually I did actually look through an example of a love contract. And um, sexual intercourse on the premise of a workplace is very much against the contract. Surprise, surprise. Maybe they didn't get the memo. Maybe maybe they didn't read the fine print. print. <laughs> I don't think they did. Or or Aiden wrote in a little bit of a fine print just so he could bang. Um. God. Anyway, and Aiden keeps like being like, "Oh God, like." I don't want, like, I want to do this by the books. I want to be a good guy. And, like, I want to do right by you. And I'm just like, dude, you haven't been right by her this entire time. You literally hired her out of a 
prowess of finding her attractive. Mm-hmm. Like, out of... Like, this whole thing... Like, you started on the wrong foot. I get that mm-hmm. you're trying to be a quote-unquote good guy, but, like, you're not. No, it almost felt like the way that it was written, because it's all, like, internal monologue, like you mentioned, very, like, prosy descriptor. Mm-hmm. It felt almost like he was trying to convince himself, which obviously it is, but it felt more of, like... This is how I'm justifying these not actions. Just con- not just convince himself, convince us as readers as well that he is a good guy. And I'm like, no, he's not. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, our girl Stella's like, whoa, that's a little fast. <laughs> and I agree with that. <laughs> I can agree with Stella on that. Um, so yeah, that's the end of chapter five. Um <laughs> Uh, and now we're getting into chapter six, which is when we get our first kind of more sexy scene where Aiden, uh, pleasures himself in the shower. That's kind of really the only thing that really happens with this chapter is him fantasizing about Stella. Was like cruel and unusual punishment. It was Mm -hmm. like... Because that, listen, that actor for Aiden put his whole butt-dossy into that scene, okay? <laughs> like, props to him. He was really in the moment. But I didn't want to be in the moment. Like, I wanted to I wanted to read the print version simply so I could, like, morph this in my head to a way that was digestible and say, he's all up in my ear being like, oh, yeah, Stella and her <laughs> damn pussy. Like, I just cannot <laughs> handle it. I was like, please, sir. Uh, sorry oh i just had i had to get that out it was so bad oh uh, yeah this was this was interesting um i will say my favorite line within that whole thing of him like pleasuring himself and imagining stella is he was talking about her breasts and he said they they would be ripe uh the ripe fruit ready to be stroked and sucked and i was like huh <laughs> sir in I think in that like same paragraph, he also talks about his balls tightening. Yeah, I was like, "Huh? Is that a thing that could happen? I don't know." If God, if you guys can't tell, we don't have. Yeah, we don't know that. <laughs> we don't know that part. Sorry, I'm not packing heat. I hate no, to. I hate to. Uh, I'm me. not packing either. <laughs> I need. An, I, I need an outside. Uh, source to confirm or deny um yeah and then he's like eating a bunch of donuts because he's stressed because oh by the way also this is the day that stella is revealing her window for uh um his family who are going to be there um so he's like stressed out um so then he gets in the car to drive uh to the store he parks out front which i don't know how you can do Have a new. <laughs> I thought about that so many times. <laughs> a week and a half before Christmas. It's fine. I'm not thinking of logistics. Anyway, he sees Stella out front and then she climbs into his car. <laughs> and then they get hot and steamy by not making out. It's just them talking and then like panting at each other like dogs. <laughs> Like, we're trying to build tension. We're trying, but it's just not working. (laughs) 
We know that they want to bang, so just let them do it at this point. It's sick and twisted because right before all the whole like heavy breathing and dirty talk, she also like goes on some like bender of like, oh, I see you for who you really are. Like you just want to make a mess. Like you're not a you're not a rule follower. Blah 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 blah. And I had to write quote her and Aiden get in this car and she basically talks about seeing him for who he really is underneath the tidy neat cheery appearance it declares that he's quote-unquote messy underneath he gets a hard-on from this typical manic pixie dream girl behavior (laughs) do he should no you have to talk about the two sides of him remember how he's like all girls want those two sides of me and all girls want is one or the other. One is the nice guy attitude who like treats him like a gentleman. The other is when I get rough in bed because I like rough sex. <laughs> and like, they don't oh, like okay. that because they're and nice they're and delicate like flowers. <laughs> <laughs> I can't have these. These <laughs> New York City socialites, they're too delicate and they want a gentleman. And I need a girl who's, who's willing to do reverse cowgirl. <laughs> That's why he wants the e-girl. And then as soon as he like is done with the excitement and the news of it all, he's like, now we'll change her into a docile half life and I'm gonna get sick of vanilla sex with like (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, I did just realize he they do keep mentioning just missionary, don't they? Throughout the rest of this book. The only sex they mention really is missionary. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Not even interesting. Hey, but he's doing all that sweet southern talk in her ear of like, tighten your, your damn pussy for me. <laughs> I need to, so Lauren, I need to, I need you to talk about your audio experience when you heard damp pussy for the first time in that southern accent. I'm not even, I had to play it for Ashlyn and Sid before we started recording because I was so appalled by how bad it was. But this is during his self-pleasuring scene earlier this chapter and he's like just like thinking of what he wants to do to Stella and he makes a comment about her damn pussy. And I I had to write, audiobook Aiden says damn pussy and then I have the cowboy emoji. I've seen a lot but I've never seen the vagina described as quote-unquote damp in a sexy context or any context, honestly. And Sid, you said that was indicative of a yeast infection. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, girl, if you got a damp pussy, you may have a yeast infection. Or that's the definition of swamp ass. (laughs) Also, too, because if you're saying damp to me, that's like light. This is gross. It's like light moisture. If you're yeah, thinking yeah, about like, damp. you know, cha- chafing and friction and like, you know, insertion yeah, in general, ow. you're going to want a little more than just a light misting. <laughs> you want a little more than a light misting. <laughs> you want to change it. You want to change your shower head from steam <laughs> and mist to the jet setting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I get the ladies want like a slip and slide. <laughs> All Aiden is saying is that he just <laughs> he gets women wet like the, like the Mister Bottle that you use plants. Hey, it's probably he saw her cleaning the window and the display with a little like you know and like was yeah. <laughs> that was so good. Oh my god. Cursed. 
cursed. Anyway, yeah, they uh, they deep breathe at each other <laughs> and are just like literally just petting each other. Like being like, I'm so hot and horny. And just as Aiden is about to like pull her into his lap, there's a car horn and they must separate because surprises grandma and his dad are like parked by. <laughs> and employees are coming out of the um the store and Aiden's like, oh God, did anyone see us? Apparently not one person did but that was jordan and jordan's on their side so <laughs> again where is hr <laughs> literally blindfolded are they? Back turn. <laughs> yeah oh my god um yeah so oh right i did say because you talked about how they get deep i literally wrote down in the summary they do drop some lore but meh i don't care <laughs> <laughs> not you not caring oh my god yes, yes, <laughs> you're right though I mean it's talking? literally just her like uh huh are you talking about the lore dump with like the Nicole thing yeah okay I wrote this down as being so important because I was so mad that Nicole is, or that that Stella is blaming Nicole for all of Stella's choices. Yes, yes, yes. I was that so mad so about true. that. I know, uh, but like it's I like, didn't, yeah, care. I but I didn't care exactly. because it's in between who smacks things. So I'm like, it's a weird place to drop it. Also, who immediately wants to launch into filthy, dirty talk after talking about how they have family problems and like robs a <laughs> restaurant? <laughs> Raising your hand? <laughs> let me drop it up for you, and now let's and now talk let's to each other and breathe. <laughs> <laughs> is that is is that not foreplay? <laughs> no, because then every no. therapist would have you blacklisted from their client list. <laughs> <laughs> very true as um i think i said this in a, in a book a couple books back you need a therapist not sex <laughs> agreed especially for stella uh, apparently she went to a therapist though because we did get that oh, drop right. of like don't know what your Dr. Whatever. Stinkerman or something yeah we don't even remember his name because he barely he like barely shows up anyway um Oh, yeah. So now we get chapter seven, which is the reveal of the window. Um, But it literally opens with her being like, we went to a museum when I was a child and I just wrote down, dear God. Just get to the opening of like the window. We don't need this. I was like this. This was when I added in my tab of I of the face, which which is where I roll my eyes. Did y'all just see this? I have no notes for chapter seven. Do you see that big gap? <laughs> I gave up. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this was just where I was just going like, oh my god, I am I'm just so tired. Like this is just so long for no reason. Um And like, yeah. Anyway, we're getting to the window reveal. Uh, Graham starts kind of like acting shady and is like making comments to Stella and being like, "Oh, like kind of implying that she saw 
Aiden and her. Um, but that's never confirmed nor denied. Um, there's some like some talk between Nicole and uh Stella, and they're doing their best friend in the rom-com thing. Uh, and the window looks good. Everyone's like, wow, that looks great. That's a really good window. And everyone's like cheering and being like, yeah, this is awesome. Like, they've never seen a window before. (laughs) They're like, holy fuck, this is a good-ass window. And I'm like, cool. Um. Lord. Um. So... Um, sorry, I'm just pausing because there's there's a couple things that happen in this chapter that like make me so mad. <laughs> um, one of them is me. one of them is that uh there was a lot of like it, like in inner monologue of Stella of just like I can't be a part of his world or I'm not a part of his world kind of thing and like I'm, doing more I'm of right, the will they won't they and I'm like. <laughs> I'm just rolling my eyes at it. I'm just like, like, is it because you're trying, like, I think they're trying to imply that, like, you know, there are different classes, there are different backgrounds, you know, she's, (laughs) she's an ex-convict, he's not, he's like an upper room, he committed, he commits white-collar crime, she commits blue-collar crime. (laughs) Hey, he might probably refer to his crimes as crimes of passion if you asked him. But. Exactly. <laughs> Literally all the HR issues. Um, but there was just a lot of that. And I'm just like, I don't understand why mm-hmm. there is so much of this talk of her just like being like, I can't be a part of this. I am not a part. Like, da, 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 da. like it just got so annoying. Like it's and I think it's because it's the it's just an overused trope, especially in like these shorter romance books, where I know we have to get the plot moving. I know we don't have a lot of time. I know we don't have a lot of pages to like work through all this. But it just it, it the the pacing doesn't make sense within this book with how much because we know Aiden wants Stella, and Stella obviously wants Aiden. Again, I think this kind of falls into the issue we kind of had with um, mm-hmm. with the switching POVs. Because, like, if there were more yes. tension, this would play in well. But That's because exactly what we know that he obviously wants her, like, this just kind of self-deprecation just doesn't work. It makes me feel like she's just, she's constantly like, oh, well, I need to make this up for myself because... I need to be like, I need to prove this to myself. And I'm like, girl, you haven't proven anything. Like, you're not, you haven't grown as a character at all. Truly. No. no. There's no growth. Like, it's just plot things are happening to move the plot along rather than like a character choice is doing it because it's a character choice and then plot happens because of that, you know? Yeah, and this is why I texted I texted uh, Sid and Ashton for context listeners in our group chat, like my thoughts as I was reading this book. And I think at some point I said, like, I wish Tessa Bailey knew that it was okay to just write porn without plot. Yeah. Because I think there's not really a good grasp of both in this to the point where the plot no. is being lost on us and feels very contrived. When 
in all actuality, if she's the Michelangelo dirty talk, we can just have that and it would be probably the yeah. same outcome. Like it's but there are, there are huge different. sections of this book that can that could have been taken out and mm-hmm. would have made more sense. I actually saw this also because someone also commented because they were talking about like, is this a short story? Is this a novella? Is it just a standalone book? Because I'm confused because like this book could have been 50 pages shorter if they had taken out some things. And honestly, the book probably would have been better for it. Had I think so too. Just- Will I say there are, <laughs> we have read some bad, some, not bad, but some questionable romance books that are just smut. But we did choose those on purpose because we knew. Mm-hmm. So maybe in the future we'll find an actual good example of a good smut book that's just smut, no plot. I'm going to make it my life's mission to find one. <laughs> yeah. My or, words. Hey, listeners. Let us know if you have any good suggestions. We'd love to hear. We it. do have a we have a Google form that you can fill out. We do. Please. We want to hear what you think. We love you. Please, we do love you, and we will kiss you platonically and consensually if you do. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Mommy Mommy loves you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Aiden wishes mom loved him. Sorry. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> What's his mom, by the way? On top of that, where was Aiden's mom? True. Now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Where did his mom go? I just assume she she just died. Just like she never gets mentioned. He just gets shipped off for some reason. Yeah. Oh well. Um anyway, going back to the actual story. <laughs> um <laughs> but we kind of get a little more info on Jordan too, because Jordan kind of dumps that she and Seamus they have like this mutual attraction to each other but she won't date him because she doesn't want to date someone who like isn't emotionally capable to be like within a serious relationship which she believes he is like he's just too immature um Mm -hmm. and she reveals also here I believe that she had an ex-fiance who left her who she left before the wedding um and we get a little more info we get more info later but she kind of recognizes that she doesn't want to like be with someone who is not emotionally mature enough for her and i literally like i would have loved to have read that story because Mm -hmm. i just feel like there's so much more emotional weight and an an easier way to connect with those two characters and like their love story especially like coming from a someone who like identifies as a woman um i would i would feel much more connected to reading a book about another woman experiencing something and not wanting like liking someone but feeling like i couldn't be in a relationship with them because Uh i just felt like they weren't ready or just like emotionally mature like that's so much more compelling then an ex-convict who wants to be a window who wants to be a window decorator and then suddenly runs into a multimillionaire and they fall in love. I think we're and this is a comment that repeatedly came up in at least the reviews that I came across for this book. I think we are just very deprived of an actual reason for chemistry and why these two should yeah. be together, other than just like primal attraction. Because it's the yes. only reason we're given throughout the entire story. Spoiler alert, there there is no 
no deeper plot here they no. they just they like each other because they think they're hot and that's it and the, the fact that we have these side characters that are barely given any screen time that actually have like mm-hmm. conflicts but like meaningful conflicts built into the fiber of their relationship you yeah. literally look at that like you said and you're like well i what well why couldn't we have some of that over here so yeah why can't yeah. Why can't we have maybe some more witty banter between Jordan and uh, Seamus and like them recognizing or like working things out for like him to prove to her, be like, hey, I may like come off in this childlike or this more immature way, but I am serious about you. And like, let me show you all of these things. I would much rather see that than this random dude who's just like, I just have a feeling. <laughs> Like she's just feeling, (laughs) yeah, basically. Um, (laughs) So yeah, uh, Grandma gets a little sketchy and all of that, and oh well, I guess it's fine. It's like not that good. It's a little flashy, and I do agree with Aiden when he was just like, "That's literally the whole point of a window." And I was like, "Yeah, he's not wrong. (laughs) He's not wrong here." Um, basically Aiden gets like a little defensive of Stella and even though Stella's like don't defend me he doesn't anyway <laughs> I, don't need, I don't need saving but I know you're gonna do it anyway yeah wow. it's it's very much that um, and so they're like oh we don't know we should hire her and then he's like yeah no we're going to so yeah now Stella is fully employed by uh, Vivant Anyway, the team goes out to a bar and they're all drinking and having fun. That's where we get more of the lore dump from Jordan because Seamus shows up and he's like wearing like a backwards cap or something like that. Uh, And they're like doing more weighted banter and Stella is thinking about Aiden where this random like I'm imagining like a skinny white boy with a bunch of piercings like um, oh, oh what's his name? It's like the blue not blue the green clay motion cartoon things oh it was like from the 90s started with a g or something wallace and gromit no not gromit not gromit it's green what gumby yes (laughs) this i'm imagining a gumby built pierce white man who's like a little bit emo (laughs) comes up and is like hey and this girl is just like, no, I can only think of the bow tie wearing Tennessee man. And then Aiden like shows up and is just like possessive for no reason. <laughs> um, and then uh, we're going to get into chapter eight. And then this is where we are going to this is going to be our halfway point. So this is where we'll end part one. But let's first finish up uh, chapter eight. So we're back in Aiden's point of view. and. Uh, he literally says like at one point he can't have her and i just went okay batman (laughs) oh my god um but yeah so he like scares off the guy and he's like is he your type like and they start doing more witty flirty banter she's like no you're my type (laughs) and like it's kind of big and dramatic and everything um which makes no sense uh (laughs) at one point she she's she is like he's like oh is that your like 
is that your type kind of thing? And she's like, no, like, I'm also really attracted to your Aunt Edna stories. And I'm like, what about the Aunt Edna stories makes him sexy? What are you talking about? What? I, I would like to believe that Tessa Bailey had a good time writing this book. And if she partaked in some peppermint schnapps, hot cocoa, as she wrote it, I wouldn't blame her. This would make a lot no. more sense if she did, actually. <laughs> it would. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, so, like... <laughs> what are you laughing Sorry. at? I just like how my notes per chapter just get progressively shorter and shorter <laughs> until they completely stop because I've given up on this book. Can I yeah. tell you my note from chapter eight? Yeah, go ahead. The man fingers her aggressively and literally growls, not my cup of tea, but okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so That's basically he like pushes Stella into a dark corner and they're like witty banner and then he fingers her and she's like, this is the sexiest thing that's ever happened to me. I want to say something, but I, I don't want to put it on the internet, so I'm not going to. If you put it in chat, I'll say it for you. <laughs> I have no filter. <laughs> now, you know what? Just thinking about it, it, my mother listens. No, my mother listens to this podcast. Oh, okay. Hi, mom. I'll say it in <laughs> private later. Anyway, I just okay. can't imagine being fingered, being very sexy. No. Thank you. That's why I said uh, my not my cup of tea. It's also because they haven't had their first kiss yet. Oh my god. When when fingering gets mentioned within these books i'm like it's <laughs> my mother listens to this podcast fuck it it's not that good <laughs> <laughs> yes ashlyn ashlyn i would like I to point out that <laughs> That another thing that happens just before this scene is that he's like, if we start doing this wrong, then we won't ever be able to do it right. And then he is the one that continues to initiate. Yes. 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 He oh does it okay. every turn. Yes. Okay. So this is when the love gets brought back up again. And still is still like, I don't know. I don't know. And then he, then this man just gets horny on me and is just like, fuck it. Let's fuck. <laughs> It's so weirdly like I don't know. Victim complex is quite the word I'm looking for, but it's yes, just something it ingrained is. in that, you know, where it's like I want to get away with the things that I'm doing, but I don't want to accept that this is morally wrong and probably going to have consequences. And so I'm yes. going to say and do whatever I need to to make it sound right while still getting the outcome that yes. I want slash feel as I deserve. Yes. And then. Stella, yes. who, regardless of whether she consents to it or not, is inherently on the lower end of this power imbalance and therefore yes. is at risk of your actions regardless of what happens. <laughs> and you are secure in your, your position at your company and nothing bad will happen to you. And therefore, you have no right to feel guilty and pressure her to these things. It's terrible. Exactly. It's exactly. Exactly. I also, <laughs> so here's also what I wrote down for about all this. It's like, I know the contract is to set everything like quote unquote right because he wants to like follow I'm putting that in quotations the rules but you hired her because you wanted to see her again therefore yes. all of the actions which are taking place after you hired her 
are wrong. Like, it is morally incorrect. Yes, and what happens if they break up? That's what I'm thinking! And she's still employed. Exactly. Exactly. Are they just, is he just going to be a good person and like deal with the awkwardness and like avoid the first war of (laughs) Vivant, like the plague? No, he's going to find a way to to let her go or like convince her to leave. And then she has to pick up a job somewhere else, which is going to be significantly difficult with her incarceration record. It's, she's fucked. She's fucked. Exactly. Exactly. And like, look, guys, we know we're meant to discipline. We're meant to. Our reality, <laughs> disbelieving it. It's not real. We know that. It is so hard. Because also on top of it, this is the other note I wrote down um, from this. It's like, so he's just proving he's not a good guy or he even respects HR or human resources mm-hmm. at all or any of the policies within his own company. Like, yes. The, um... Sorry, I'm trying to read my own notes, and I was so agitated that I could, I can't read them. Give me just a moment. Um, You're so good. Oh, I said the lady from a couple chapters ago, the HR lady, um, wasn't just eyeing Stella because she was in jail. Aiden just likes to break the rules. Like, that's the joke I made within my own notes. It was like, the HR lady yeah. is only keeping her eyes out because she knows Aiden, like, this is shady. Yeah. Like, I would feel, like, okay, so coming... <sighs> Coming from someone who works within corporate America, mm-hmm. if I saw this within my workplace, I would be so fucking uncomfortable. Like, yeah. everybody knows. Everybody knows why you got hired. And yeah. it's so, and especially within the job crisis and the situation we are in now, I would be yeah. so beyond pissed. I'd be like, my boss is literally hiring this chick because he wants to bang her. Yeah, and and I don't know how someone like Jordan is c- so cool with all this because if my colleague is dating our like basically like you know owner of the company for lack of a better term, right? You know yeah. inherently the rules are going to be different for her than they are for you, and that tolerance yeah. for her mistakes and shortcomings are going to be weighed very differently than what yours are, and that's just inherently going to feel shitty. Like, what is your? Is Jordan a girl boss and just becoming um, work besties with her so she can get a promotion? Actually, work. <laughs> work. <laughs> Actually, that kind of eats. <laughs> Actually, yeah, Jordan, we love that. <laughs> She's the best character in this book. Anyway. Anyway. Oh. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the end of chapter eight uh, because basically she orgasms and Aiden's like, meet me downstairs. <laughs> and then, Boo. And then she's like, okay. And that's Boo, Aiden. That's the middle point within this book, and where we are going to end our midpoint review of Window Shopping by Tessa Bailey. Now, Ashlyn, do you have any questions for us before we wrap up this episode? I always have questions for you guys. So we Thank spent you. a lot of time at the end talking about Aiden. How do you feel about Stella at this point in the book? Boring. Bored. A wet piece of paper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just... I just feel like... It's weird because it feels like she's trying to be... Like we've said, the Manic Pixie Dream Girl. But, like, the target audience for Manic Pixie Dream Girls aren't the target audience that are reading this book. Like, typically mm-hmm. Manic Pixie Dream Girls are targeted... 
<laughs> this is sorry, my cat. Just, uh, <laughs> my cat just knocked down his cat tree. Yeah, so. <laughs> but yeah, like the target audience for this book is not the same target audience who fantasize about manic pixie dream girls, and maybe, maybe some women are like thinking about it, like being the manic pixie dream girl for a guy like this, but like. I don't know. I just I don't understand yeah. her characterization. I don't understand her motivations. I understand some of the guilt and which does kept getting brought up. Because obviously being incarcerated, going through everything she went through is very traumatizing. But I almost want like it's just not appropriate within the time space of and content matter of the book in which we're reading. Like this isn't mm-hmm. an area where this is an appropriate space for those conversations and those internal thoughts to be fully discussed. And it just feels like a cheap way to add quote unquote like character and like a like dark yeah. past to a character where like we could have done it could have been something else. I fully agree. And as you were saying that, I think it kind of clicked for me. Aiden as a character, we know that his problematic relationship with his family, his like the way he navigates being the general manager here, you know, those pressures inform his personality. We we see that time and mm-hmm. time again. The the dad jokes are from Aunt Edna. The, you know, constant pressure to perform is from his overbearing grandparents and the way that the company is you know, shaky in the past couple years. (laughs) Exactly. We see so much of how his past informs his personality, therefore he feels like a well-rounded and distinct character versus Stella. We know her past. It does not inform her personality. There's, it's, it feels to me like it's just Stella and incarceration. You know what I mean? Like, it just feels like her whole character is this thing that happened off screen and it's not demonstrated in a, in a, don't tell way where it doesn't like the only instance we get of that is the claustrophobia within the window it's there's nothing else that comes up it's always just recounting her past to Aiden in a dialogue we don't see that and that to me is what ruins it because I feel like we are missing a vital chunk of that like A connects to C we're missing B and I think she lacks substance in that way. And even in the audiobook, which could be contributed to like the actors that were hired for the audiobook, but even listening to the audiobook, Aiden felt so much more lively and like present in the book than Stella did. Stella felt like a reader insert in a Wattpad fan fiction where I could very easily be like, I could overlay like literally anyone's personality, mannerisms, appearance into her mm-hmm. and it would feel the same and i think that's where where she was lost on me yeah i could agree with that i think yeah i, I think there could have there just could have been a different direction than having her it also just didn't feel like tessa bailey maybe did the most appropriate research into what being convicted means to an individual or like what happens because yes obviously Stella went through all that had a therapist is out maybe deals like suddenly deals with claustrophobia and all of that 
but we also don't get any talk well like we get some talk of her being like i'm still trying to find myself out in the world and like trying to figure these things out because i've been um incarcerated for these four years but we really don't see those struggles like she just keeps getting handed things like literally the Mm -hmm. job of avant literally like this perfect man like all of these things which is not realistic for someone post incarceration and it just feels disconnected and ungenuine and Mm -hmm. you know what (laughs) this is a romance book so maybe maybe we're being a little too hard but at the same time maybe this shouldn't have been included within the book in the first place (laughs) yeah so this one i i asked lauren off the podcast already but i wanted her to talk about it a little bit uh so lauren you've mentioned your love for inappropriate workplace romances (laughs) more than once (laughs) How do you feel about uh-huh. this inappropriate workplace romance? When I think of the type of workplace romances that I want, I want to see a lot more of the will they want that. I want to see both parties being I, like, I don't want to see such an empower balance where it feels wrong on every level. You know what I mean? Like this one kind of does. I want it to mm-hmm. feel like will they won't they months of consideration like you know weeks of like getting to know each other to determine this is even the right path like i wanted to actually feel more fleshed out and realistic and not rushed because that is something that should be a careful decision like in the real world if you are trying to pursue a workplace relationship right and this book this literally takes place over the span of like two weeks give or take and that to me it's so like it just kills it for me it's like there was no mm-hmm. actual real consideration in this there's no real like drama or tension in this because it's only two weeks like literally on on what do we say on chapter three already oh. discussing like kissing each other like it just yeah. felt so like this okay actually you know what i've rambled a lot this is what it is the workplace romance in this felt like it was there just to give tension like it, yeah. this story could have been done without it and it would have been the same to me. Yes. Versus an yes. actual workplace romance. We we get that will they won't they? We get that tension. It serves a purpose. And here it doesn't because it's thrown out the window window shopping, haha, in chapter three. And so it ruined it. I ruined Very it. True. I want my Juman Han from Mystic Messenger. Anyway. <laughs> I stand my point. Do you feel as though these characters have? Oh, do we pick that up? By the way, Lauren, we heard that. Good, good. (laughs) Oh my god, do you feel as though these characters have any chemistry together at this moment? That we are in the book right now, without spoilers. hot and bothered for each other but that's the only driving factor so i would say the only driving chemistry here is like between hydrogen and oxygen it's like the most basic chemistry it's the bare minimum (laughs) 
I agree with that. That's actually pretty much exactly what I was going to say. Um, like, they're just hot I'm, for each other. That's it. The dirty talk was good. I, for at least for yes. me, I thought it was okay. Some I of think it. that's why I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent like they're like they suck. You know what I mean? But it's only because the the actual presentation of the steaminess is solid. So therefore, you it feels like they funny? have sexual chemistry, but not romantic chemistry. What? Mm-hmm. What's so funny is that usually I'm the one who says like. The erotica was pretty okay, but like everything else kind of sucked. I actually I didn't like the erotica in this. I didn't like it. Like this I didn't like any of the physical stuff, don't get me wrong. No. I just liked the the dialogue, I suppose, if that makes sense. I didn't even like the dialogue. I think it's because I did re- there is a TikTok that's going around online right now that's saying like, "Oh, um what if a guy in a romance book actually said this stuff?" to you in real life and it made me realize how cringy some stuff are oh god and, um the talk talk oh and people were like giving responses and was like someone who was like doing a quote from a book was like will you be my good girl and she's just like mm, no fuck off and it's just like <laughs> like in real life if someone said this stuff to you would you be turned on <laughs> come here let's get out the window sweetheart <laughs> Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> She's walking away. Mm. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right. You know what? So I I rescind my opinion. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, yeah, they're attracted to each other, but that's the only thing that's driving this. Like, I don't, I don't understand why we're even wanting to pursue a romantic relationship with the other person, but. Well, this is where we are going to end um, with our first half of Window Shopping by Tessa Bailey. Hope you enjoyed the episode. You can listen to more on Apple Music, Spotify, and honestly, wherever you probably find podcasts, that's where we're going to be. If you want updates on what we are uploading or just what we're getting up to, you can follow us at The RPH Podcast on Instagram, TikTok, x previously known as twitter um we do have a youtube sometimes things go up there and we have a twitch and honestly if you kind of just look us up we'll probably be on there if you want to give us a follow um but hey thanks for listening let us know what you think uh we always are looking for suggestions and you know what i hope you have an amazing night you raunchy reindeer join us next week where we will discuss part two of window shopping Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Raunchy Power Hour. Find us on Instagram and Twitter at the RPH Podcast. Send us book recs to our email, raunchypowerhour at gmail.com, or at the link in our bio on any of our socials. As always, stay raunchy. Stay raunchy.